Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. Citizens! Good evening, Citizens Youth. How you doing? If you're in the house and you're ready, give me a whoop whoop. I'll take it. I'll take it. Hey, can I just can I just say? Can I just say, man? Can I just say? I love you guys. Like, dude, honestly, like. All right, thank you. Yes, I love you too. No, but for real, man, I just like. This is special. This is special, you know? This is a special part of our week. And as we're singing there, I don't know if you caught it, but at the end, you know, Max, Max is doing, he's like, bang, he's like doing his thing, right? And then he like stopped doing his thing, and it was just like the voices. Did you feel that? Like a whole room, a whole room of, of like young men and young women singing like, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Isn't that sick? Isn't that pretty cool? Man. Well, welcome, guys. Good evening. Glad that you guys are here. I'm glad that you guys are here. Teresa! What's up, dude? Come on in. Give it up for Teresa. Give it up. Teresa Spinnerman, everybody. Hey, Teresa, what place did you come in at? Winter camp again? I was just I was curious. I'm not taunting. I'm just, I was going to set you up for summer camp. They were champions in their hearts. We weren't even champions in our hearts. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, so I want to talk to you guys about a day. The day is coming. Everybody, look at your friend. Look at the person sitting next to you. And I want you to say, the day is coming. Look to the other person. Look to a different person around you. Look at them. Put your shoulder, your hand on their shoulder. Put your hand on your shoulder and say, the day Is coming. <laughs> Dude, you guys. You guys are wild right now. I love it. You feel that energy? Dude, they're, they're ready, Sammy. They're ready. One day. Hey, lean in here. Lean in here. Listen, listen. Shh, shh, shh. Lean in here. Bring it in. Bring it in. There's a day coming where you will walk out of your house. You will walk down your driveway and you will approach this. The day is coming. There's a day coming, friends, where you will fill out an application. You will fill out a resume. You will send it away to a college. And for weeks, you will bite your nails and approach the mailbox for what I call the mailbox moment. Dongle, dongle me, you ready? Dongle me, right? There's a day coming, students, where, and this process is crazy if you think about it, right? But what you do is, you take a single piece of paper, you take an application, you write a resume, and this document, is the sum total of all of your achievements. 
It's the sum total of all of your accomplishments, all of your character traits, all of your references, anything and everything about you is supposed to be summarized in a single piece of paper and then you mail it in to a college. (laughs) Is there anything more vulnerable or transparent? And you basically are saying this, do you accept me? How many of you have already begun this process? Where are my seniors at? Yeah? Have you had the mailbox moment yet? How many of you have received acceptance or rejection letters yet? Anyone? Okay. Dude, so you know the moment. There's this moment, students, right, where all of your accomplishments, everything that you are, you're basically putting it in a piece of paper and someone else, an admission board, is telling you whether or not you qualify. Whether or not you're good enough, whether or not you measure up to be accepted in. It's pretty vulnerable, isn't it? And on that day, Skylar, on that day, you'll walk to your mailbox, you'll open it up, you'll look in, and you'll either find, congrats, you're accepted. Congrats! You made it. Congrats, you are good enough. Congratulations, you have what it takes to be brought in. Or you'll be rejected. And they'll say it in nice words. Right, guys in the back? Fernando, Christian, right? Or you'll, they'll say it in nice words, but you'll get a letter that basically says, sorry, but you're not what we're looking for. Sorry, we don't like your situation. The mailbox moment, friends. We're ending our story in Philemon today. Are you guys ready for the epic conclusion? How many of you are like, finally? Yeah, right? And here's what we're going to do. For the ending of our story here, we're going to look at two different situations. We're going to look at two different resumes, two different records that could not be more different. Tale of two cities here. They could not be more different. And yet, as we end our story, we're going to find out that the tides are about to turn. How many of you are ready for the final chapter of our saga here? Are you ready? Are you ready for the Philemon trilogy to come to an end? All right. If you're ready, let me know. You want to do it? You want to do this? All right. You asked for it. Here we go. Open up the book of Philemon. We're going to end it by starting in verse 17. Verse 17, here we go. So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. And we'll pause there. Paul writes to Philemon. He writes about Onesimus. And what we see is that Paul and Onesimus could not have more different situations. Okay? Their situations could not be any more different. And so for those of you joining us, quick review, Onesimus is a slave. 
robs his master, steals from him, escapes, runs halfway across the world to get away from him, and he just so happens, because God is sovereign, just so happens to run into a friend of his master's. Just so happens that his master's friend was writing a letter called the letter to the Colossians, writing a letter back to his master. And it just so happens that Paul takes out a pen and says, I'm going to write a brand new personal letter to Philemon. And he sends back Onesimus with him. And so here you go. The runaway slave shows up on the doorstep, ding dong, rings the bell, opens the door, and Philemon sees Onesimus. How many of you know that if Paul showed up on the doorstep, if Paul was the one ringing the doorbell, he would be greeted way differently, right? If Paul was the one ringing the doorbell and knocking and asking to be accepted into the house, Paul would be greeted warmly. Paul would be greeted like family. Paul would be accepted. So let's think of it like this. Let's think of it in a terms like we've already talked about. Let's think of it in terms of a resume. Okay? Here's Paul's resume. We found this in the ancient Near East. The real resume of Paul the Apostle. Written in English. <laughs> it's only funny if you know how ridiculous I am. I'm going to like, oh nice, they have the resume. Doesn't that belong in a museum? No. Welcome to Citizens. And so look at Paul's resume, right? If we were to take the sum total of who Paul is, if we were to take his achievements and his references and all of his qualifications and put them in a resume, here's what we would read. Paul's a man of integrity, A+. Plus. His commitment to the gospel, he's in prison, right? Nobody's questioning his commitment, A+. Plus. He's helpful, he's a godly man, he's trustworthy and has given everything for the gospel. We read here, look at his account. This is Paul, right? It says, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Paul is a man who's not in debt. Paul's a man to whom debts are owed. Paul's a man who people are owing him their very life. Like it says here, I owe him my life. He's a giver. He has a positive account. He has, a, he has saved people's lives. So when Paul shows up on the doorstep, when Paul goes ding dong and, and Philemon opens the door, here's the verdict. He's accepted. Paul's accepted. Paul, you qualify. Paul, I see your life and you are worthy. Your record and your resume are worthy. And so I want you to come in. Everybody say, accepted. Paul, good guy or bad guy? Good guy, totally. His situation cannot be more different than Onesimus. Onesimus shows up at the doorstep and everybody in the house wants to kill him. Why? Because look at his resume. Onesimus. His name means useful, which is laughable because he's the most useless individual in the ancient Near East. Integrity, fail. Got that, right? You see it? Integrity, F. Commitment, helpfulness, godliness, F. This is a dude that he asks people for references. Like, if you're not a good student and somebody says, hey, can you write me a reference? They go, you know what? Maybe it's not good for me to write you a reference. That's a nice way to say it. If you're really bad, they say, I'd love to write you a reference. You know what I'm saying? 
Like, if you're bad, I'm not going to write you a reference. If you're really bad, they go, give me the pen. Oh, I'll write you a reference, all right. (laughs) Stay away. That's what Onesimus' reference say. They say, this is the most lazy, useless person ever. Well, what's his financial situation? Maybe he has enough money to make him worthwhile. No, this dude is hopelessly in debt. This dude has stolen more money from his master than he will ever make in his life. This dude is facing imprisonment. And even worse, he deserves to die. Their situations could not be more different. And so here at Citizens, for those of you who are new here, I just want to introduce you. We're very, how do you say, um, raw. <laughs> we're very authentic. We're not a community that likes to like get ready at six o'clock and then come here at seven to be like, oh my gosh, I'm perfect. <laughs> come to camp with us. Come to camp with us and you'll be like, holy cow, I've never met a group of people that were more willing to confess how messed up they were. Hi, I'm Sam. I messed up. <laughs> I say. That's who we are. And so for a moment, we're going to practice that authenticity. For a moment, we're going to practice that rawness. And I'm going to ask you, in your heart of hearts, I'm going to ask you, when you take inventory of who you are, if everything you've ever done was to be added up, if all of the things you've ever said about yourself and all of the things that other people said about you, if you were to compile that into some imaginary resume, what would it look like? Don't point, don't point. She's like in tears up here. Sister, I bless you. But she's being honest, isn't she? What would your resume look like? What would the resume of your life look like if you were to take inventory? What are the wrongs that you've done? What would be listed here under wrongs? What would be your debts? What would be the things that when you look back on, you can't help but visibly cringe because you go, oh my gosh, how could I have done that? Students, which one is yours? Now here's what we do. The world, school, the outside system of this world, here's what they do. Nobody in their right mind can look to you and go, no, just believe in yourself. You're this, because we know that's not true. So the world can't do that. So here's what the world does. They go, all right, all right, all right, all right, fine. This is you, Max. This is you, Kennedy. Okay, I'll grant you that. But here's what they do. The first thing that they try to do is this. They go, you know what? Oh, there's Onesimus' record. Resume of your life. Here's what they do. When they look at the resume of your life, they say, you know what? Why don't we just minimize it? Michaela. (laughs) Michaela. It's not that bad. Josh, don't be so hard on yourself. I mean, it can't be that bad. Guys, I know that you know this is your resume, but Jacob, Jacob, dude, it can't be that bad. Give yourself a break. They minimize. Another approach, they'll look at you and your sin, and they say, let's just rationalize it, okay? Guys, let's just think about it. I know you're feeling guilty. I know you're feeling conviction, Maddie. But like, really? That's probably you just being overly conservative. Layla, I mean, just think about it. You're just beating yourself up. I mean, after all, everybody's is like this. So what's the big deal? 
Talon, you know what we should do, Talon? Look at your sin, and why don't we try to justify? I mean, it's not your fault. I mean, if you, didn't, if you weren't born into the family you were, then you would have never struggled with this. This is not your fault. Bro, if you just had better friends, if you had better parents, if you had better examples, if you had a better pastor, if you just were more educated, if you guys had more money, then, then this wouldn't be. Don't blame yourself. Let's just justify And you know what the problem with these three issues is? It's like, I want to say to the world, thank you, but no thank you. Because when I go home at night and I'm by myself, I know how grimy my soul feels. Thank you for trying to justify. Thank you for trying to minimize my sin. Thank you for trying to rationalize it. But to be honest, when I'm by myself, I know my sin. And I know that no matter what you're saying, I can't shake it. I'm guilty. Sam, my friends can try to encourage me. And we can all do sin together. But at the end of the day, I know that I am not worthy. I know that I deserve to be denied. So here's my message to you tonight. That while the world tries to minimize, rationalize, and justify your sinful record, the gospel has such a more substantial approach. That while the world looks at teenagers and has the bar this low, while the world looks at you and says, don't even try. Why do you bother? Just go with the culture. Everybody's doing it. As if that's supposed to make you feel better. As if that's supposed to make you feel clean and pure and worthy. And while the world is saying that, here's what the message of Christianity is. You're right. You are a sinner. No amount of justifying it is going to get rid of it. But here's what we do offer you. Look what Paul does. Receive him as you would receive me. Paul doesn't go, Philemon, 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 bro, 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 bro. Look at him. I mean, everybody's doing it. Tons of slaves are running away. Why don't you just minimize it, rationalize it? Just, just think about it. He's not even that intellectual. Of course he's going to do something stupid like, oh, Paul doesn't say that. His approach is not to do any of those three. He looks at Onesimus and he says, you know what, Philemon, you're right. He deserves death. He's a sinner. But here's what I offer you. Charge that to my account. I will repay it. And so what Paul's message is this. Not rationalize, not justify, not minimize. He talks about substitution. Philemon, 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 listen. Yes, he's a sinner. Yes, he's useless. Yes, he is unworthy and full of shame. Yes, his record will not get him anywhere. But here's what I propose. I propose that you take him and you receive him as if he had my record. I propose that whatever he owed you, whatever his debts were, that you would charge that to my account. And so when you see him at the front door, treat him the way that you would treat Paul. Treat him the way my record deserves to be treated. Philemon, I know that you can turn this man in and he deserves death, but why don't you give him life? Why don't you restore him and forgive him and show him grace? Charge it to my account. I will repay it while he takes my place. 
Is that not powerful, friends? In a world that is trying to remove your record by just sweeping it under the rug, the gospel says this, there's something more powerful. There's a better approach, and it's called substitution. For a couple weeks now, Paul has been pleading with Philemon, use this decision as an opportunity to model the gospel. Use this sticky situation, use this drama, use this mess as an opportunity to be a visual aid for the gospel. And Paul does it himself. What we see here is that Paul swaps an acceptable record for a shameful one. Paul swaps an acceptable record for a shameful one. And students, when he did that, he made a decision that he could now call others to point to and say, oh, you want to know what the gospel's like? Like that! He did something with his life. He lived in in a certain way that modeled the gospel so that when he was telling other people the gospel, he could say, oh, let me give you an example. It's like, like that. Because students, this is the gospel. Every single one of you, I say this not because I'm mean, I promise, right? I love you guys. Every single one of you is here. Every single one of you has sinned against the Father. When did I sin against the Father? right now, right? Your lack of humility. All of us are born with a bent. All of us are born with souls that are drifting away from God so we can do our own thing. We've sinned against God. We've sinned against people who are made in his image. We've neglected from making God the center of our lives and we pursue everything under the sun except for God. Man, that guy is so mean. Welcome to citizens. But what makes us unique here is that we don't rail on the bad news. We comfort you with good news. And here's the good news as simple as I can explain it. Even though you deserve to be denied into God's presence, even though your record is utterly unworthy of being in God's family, Jesus says, charge it to my account. I will repay it. Receive him Receive her as you would receive me, Father. Father, I know that they have sinned against you. I know that they are runaways, constantly running from your ownership and creator sovereignty. But God, receive her as you would receive me. Whatever wrong she's done to you, charge that to my account. I will repay it. And that's exactly what he did when he got on a cross and was nailed by his hands and his feet He took your sins on himself so that you could be accepted as he would be accepted. That's the gospel. And Paul took this as an opportunity, took this as an opportunity to illustrate and demonstrate how Christ is our substitution. And then look what he says. After, after illustrating this, he turns to, Phi, to, to Philemon and look what he says. He says, now I want you to refresh my heart in Christ. Meaning, it's your turn. I'm illustrating the gospel. I'm modeling in my life what it looks like to, to sing the anthem of the gospel. And now Philemon, it's your turn. 
Illustrate the gospel. Let your life sing a song where the anthems and the refrains of the gospel are constantly going over. Philemon, it's your turn. Refresh my heart. Citizens, lean in here. Bring it in here. Citizens, it's your turn. Refresh my heart in Christ. Handle the drama on your doorstep. Handle the messes in your life. Handle the relational disunity. Handle whatever it is in your life, in your relationships. Handle it in a way that when people say, what is the gospel like? You could say, like, like that. That people will come to know all of the forgiveness and the love and the unity and the grace and the reconciliation that is in Christ because they see it in your life. Refresh my heart in Christ, citizens. Please, refresh my heart. So we have the illustration of Paul. He gives us a vivid illustration here. And now we end with the involvement of Paul. How many of you know a nosy person in your life? <laughs> so enthusiastic, right? I can ask a deep question. How many of you think about deep things? How many of you know a nosy person? <laughs> like, maybe you're the nosy person. <laughs> you're nosy for asking me, right? Maybe you know a nosy person. And maybe you'll think that Paul is doing that now because what we're about to see in the ending of our story here is the involvement of Paul. Check it out. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Oh, by the way, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, he sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, homeboy Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And scene. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Who started the clap? Who started the clap? Did you guys see what he did there? Did you catch it? <laughs> Dude, did you not catch it? You got to see the subtlety here. Paul is a master communicator. Who said manipulator? Who said? Not a manipulator. Master communicator. Look what he says. Look at it again, okay? He just went on for 25 verses saying, I'm appealing to you. Handle this in a way that reflects the gospel. Handle this in a way that models the gospel. And then he says, I'm confident of your obedience. I'm confident that you will do even more than I say. Oh, by the way, prepare a guest room for me. I'm coming. <laughs> Yo, he's like, he's like, I'm confident you're going to do what you need to do, but I'm going to follow up with you. Dude, this is beautiful. Do you not get this? He's like, I thought the Bible was so spiritual and serious. This is a human book. These are human authors writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit inspires Paul, he's using, taking full advantage and using his subtlety. Do what you're going to do. I trust in you. But remember, prepare a room for me because I'm coming. What we see here is that in Christ, friends, personal matters become community matters. Right? 
This goes so against our culture, right? Guys, you, you have to understand this. You are children that have grown up with bedroom doors. And you guys are like, so? That has not always been. I remember as a kid, because I'm with you, right? As a kid, I would scream at my mom and be like, this is my privacy, mom. I sounded like that when I was 14. <laughs> I've since matured. It was probably like much lighter. I'm like, this is my privacy, mom. No, I can't do that one either. What was it like? Mom? No, I wasn't a skater boy. What was it like? I actually, it's like a huge South Pole phase. I was like a G. I literally, I wore like four sizes too large t-shirts. <laughs> I actually have, dude, I got to find this picture, but I've like burned them all, and now I wish I didn't, but I have a picture, I used to wear a, a t-shirt, um, similar to this, but it had a license plate with bullet holes in it, and it said South Pole, <laughs> that was my face, I don't know, so I was probably like, Ma, it's my privacy, <laughs> she was like, oh yeah, speaking of, pri- <laughs> Should like meet Mr. Privacy, right? We live in a culture that says, yo, get out my business. This is a private matter. This is a personal matter. You are not welcome here. And so what we see in Christianity, we see that personal matters become community matters. And we see here people that are willing to submit their decisions to authority. Skirt. We find a community that are willing to invite their peers for the sake of wisdom and accountability. Skirt. I thought that was a private matter. There's a word for this, students. It's called accountability. Paul doesn't write a letter and say, hey guys, I hope it works out. Good luck. I'll pray for you. And you can do whatever you want. He says, no, 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 no. I'm going to follow up on this matter. This is accountability. I'm going to follow up on this matter as I pray for you. Because personal matters become community matters. Students, your life decisions, your dramatic situations, the major decisions of your life, those things in Christ, in this community, they're actually not private matters. Because when you become a Christian, it's no longer a private matter. Remember the table? You guys remember the table? Remember the word for table? It was koinonia, which means fellowship, meaning the sharing in. When you become a Christian, you're sharing in. We are partaking together in this life, which means your decisions are of concern to me and affect me and my decisions and my relationships and all of those things. It's together. So that's why here at Citizens, we submit to godly authority. Dude, this is so weird. I get like, like we, you have to understand, like you being in school and living in this culture, you are like marinating in cultural stew, which means you smell like it. You know what I mean? If I go, yeah, you smell like the culture, right? Like we we think that way. We're very influenced by the way culture thinks. So when we come to verses like this, where Paul is like, hey, I'm going to be checking in on you. We go, whoa, invasion of privacy. And what we have to do is we come together and we open up God's word so we can shed the smell of culture. And we recalibrate our minds. And we go, whoa, 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 oh, according to what the Bible thinks, that isn't weird. 
Okay, according to what the Bible thinks, if I'm going to go and be in a relationship, it's not weird to invite a spiritual authority and my friends and to hear what they have to say. Oh, if I'm going to think about my career, it's okay to invite. That's the way the Bible works. That's the way Christianity works. And so that's why there's many of you in this room that have even been in my home and you sat down at my table and we've talked about major decisions and we've prayed through things. And I've told many of you in this room Things that you have not liked to hear. Am I lying? Thank you. And most of your friends would look at you and be like, bro, you need to like tell your youth pastor to like talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. Honestly, if you were to tell your friends in school the kind of stuff that you process with your small group leaders, the kind of stuff that you process with your authority, they'd go, dude, that's a private matter. Why do you include him? Because in Christianity, private matters are community matters. In Christianity, we are sharing in this together. Willingly inviting other people into our situation. Willingly submitting our decisions to authority. And do you know why we do this? Do you know why there's no such thing as private matters and there are community matters? Do you know why? Because this thing is bigger than you. Look what he says. Oh, look what he's, oh, oh. He says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner. I got Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke. These are my fellow workers. We all greet you. There are a lot of us involved in this gospel work. There are a lot of people giving everything we have to advance the gospel. We are all working for this. For goodness sakes, I'm in prison. For goodness sakes, Epaphras is in prison. So forgive us if your decisions and the way that you represent Jesus matters to us. Forgive me if I'm concerned about you living a life that reflects Jesus because I've given my life for Jesus. Forgive me if your sister in Christ, forgive her I should say, if your sister in Christ is concerned about how you're living for Jesus because she's given her life to that. Forgive your brother if he's going to be asking you nosy questions or checking in on you. Forgive him. Because it matters to him how much you represent Jesus. Because he's given his life to this. We don't think about this living in Camas, Washington. There are people that are literally in prison around the world. Talk to Chris Haney. If you don't know Chris Haney, next time you see him, go and talk to him. And he'll tell you how he was literally kicked out of a country where he was undercover trying to tell people the gospel. And he got held up one night and they came to their houses with guns and they said, get out now. And they didn't let him take any of his possessions and they paraded them out of the country. And they said, if you ever come back, you're dead. Forgive us if how you represent Jesus is of concern to us because we have given everything for this. Pause here. Students, do not be the student who loves citizens, who loves church, but then as soon as some sticky situations show up in your life, you peace out for six months because you want your privacy. Guys, let's just commit. We don't do that here. We don't go and start dating someone and go, well, you know what? I really don't want people to think what they think, and so I'm just going to go and get, I'll still go to church on my own, but I'm going to go out here because I, we can talk. Those are not private matters. The way you represent Jesus, the way you live for Jesus, it matters to all of us because we've given our lives for this. So we don't do that. And you know what you do? 
before that day comes, before you're ever tempted to peace out because you don't want to live under the scrutiny of accountability, you know what you do before you're tempted to maintain your privacy? You talk to someone beforehand and you give them the rope. Remember the rope? You guys remember the rope, right? No, man. You give them the rope and you say, just like, just like we, we talked about at winter camp last year, you say, hey, when we swim, when, when we sail past the sirens, they're going to sing and I know I'm going to be tempted to jump overboard and swim toward them. And so before we even get there, here's the rope, tie me to the mast. Here's the rope, tie me to the mast. And when we go by, no matter what I say to you, don't let me go. And the ship sails by and he starts hearing the voices, the singing, the most beautiful singing that every human being has ever heard. And he goes, oh, oh, guys, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I actually do need to be over there. Can you untie me? And they just kept rowing. No, no, guys, (laughs) I'm your captain. I told you, untie me. Let me go! And they kept sailing. And when eventually they were out of earshot, the singing is gone. And he says, thank you for not letting me go. I needed that. Who in this room have you given the rope to? Middle schoolers, who have you given the rope to and said, hey, I know when I get to high school, I'm going to be tempted to go crazy. I know when I get to high school that the siren song of influence, the siren song of popularity and sin and pleasure and being the most beautiful and being the coolest, I know that those are going to draw me away from Christ, but take the rope, tie me to the mast, and don't let me go. Forgive us if we're being nosy. We're holding you to Jesus. That's what getting baptized is. You're going public with your faith so that everybody goes, no, 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 Sammy, no, no, no. I saw you get in the tank. I saw you in your sober moment get in the tank. I'm not letting you go. And even when you go missing for six weeks, even if you're not here, you better believe you'll receive a text message from me every week. That's what Eleni says to you because she has the rope. Who has the rope, students? Hannah, you're excited. You're getting baptized. This is awesome. You're a junior. Guess what? Senior year is coming, hon. And there's going to be times where you go, I really would like my privacy right now, about now. I really wish I didn't give other people the rope to hold me to this because it would be really convenient if I could just live in secrecy. Give her the rope now before you get there. Students in Christ, personal matters are community matters. And so that's what Paul is doing here. That's what Paul is doing here. He's saying, I want you to take an opportunity to spread the gospel and you better believe I'm going to be following up. Philemon, join us. Join us. This is what Paul did. And we're confident, we're confident that this is what Philemon did too, okay? Whatever happened to the slave? We're confident that he did even more. We're confident that Philemon greeted Onesimus, restored him. And you know what church history tells us? Ready for mind blown, part two? History tells us that Onesimus actually became a leader in the church. Onesimus became a pastor. Onesimus started leading people to the gospel because someone accepted him and substituted his place. This is beautiful, students. This is living a life worth living. Philemon lived in such a way so that when we look at his story, we can learn this reality, that God accepts those in Christ as Christ.
God accepts those who are in Christ. He accepts them as Christ. When you put your trust in Jesus, when you become a Christian and get baptized and say, I'm surrendering my life to God, I believe that I can be accepted into his family. I believe that he loves me and actually wants me. When you do that, when you put your faith in him, Jesus substitutes your picture and he puts it on his record. And now God accepts you into his family, not because of the works that you have done, but because of the works that Jesus has done. And when you are in Christ, he accepts you as if you were Christ himself. Jesus came to earth and he lived a perfect life. He obeyed God. And then instead of getting the reward, eternal life with the Father, he died on the cross. He took your place. He took the death that you deserve so that you could have the life that he deserved. Students, God accepts those who are in Christ. He accepts them as Christ. And so I'm gonna have the band come up here. We're gonna respond. And here's what we're gonna do. To really illustrate this powerful truth, to really help this stick uh, with you guys as you leave tonight, I want you to open up your sermon notes and you should all have sticky notes in there. Do you have sticky notes in there? And here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write on your sticky notes. This is, pri- this is not like pass it to the left and show everybody. I want you to write on your sticky notes for the next three minutes. I want you to write, what would your resume be? What are the things that when you're being honest, what are the things that disqualify you from being in God's family? What are the things that when you're being honest, if you were to mail in your application, you'd be rejected? And we're gonna do a little family chaos here, okay? For the next three minutes, I want you to write those and then we're gonna come up and we're literally just gonna stick them to the resume. But here's what you're doing. Remember, this is substitution. Everybody say, substitution. Substitution. Say it. Substitution. Better. And as you leave your resume up here, we're going to make a little substitution. And we're going to give you Christ's resume. And you can take this and you're going to put it in your Bible or in your mirror. And it says this. To the very le- in, the, in the very letter that Paul wrote to all of the Colossians, including Philemon's church, including a, 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 the household that Onesimus would be listening, listen to, what, listen to what it says. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. Students, you have a bad resume. I say that not because I'm mean, I say it because it's true and I love you. That's bad news. But the good news is this, is that in Christ, you're made acceptable and clean. And the good news is that those who are in Christ are accepted as Christ. Take a few moments and write down your resume.